after touring for 28 years, you get to watch a little bit of the building and evolution and, and uh, the development of these cities. And uh, yeah, Kansas City's just gotten really cool over the years, man. I love it. That's Collective Souls, Will Turpin. I'm Jamie Green, and this is Trading Force. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Green, and this is episode 126. Super stoked about this one. As you know, I am a Gen Xer, so that is my era. I loved music in the late 80s, but really felt the music of the 90s spoke to me the most. And one of those bands that spoke to all of us in the 90s was the band from Georgia, Collective Soul. And I'm happy to report that their bassist, Will Turpin, zoomed in all the way from Georgia to discuss lots of things, including their new album that came out this year, Vibrating. Uh, we talked about how he tours. We talked about what he does when he's on tour, lots of cool things. And then the thing that uh, was the most fun and touching for me is we talked about our fathers who shared their love of music with us. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. I, I hope you're having a good holiday weekend. So let's just go ahead and get started. Here is my conversation with Collective Souls bassist, Will Turpin. Well, it's so much fun to talk to you, Will. Obviously, been aware of you and your work for a very long time. And one of the fun things is I start year four of this podcast are kind of like these interesting through lines. Mm-hmm. And I was following you on Instagram and looking at stuff, and I, I thought you would get a kick out of this. So you talked about Veterans Day recently. We just went through Veterans Day. And then you had another post about your father. Hang on. I don't know if you can see that. But that's my dad in the Army Band. Yeah. During Korea. Uh, that's um, awesome. He jazz trumpeter and singer in the army band during uh, the early 50s. So I think one of the neatest things and what I take to heart and really enjoy is the connection music makes for generations. And I know this is a very strong thing. So can we talk a little bit about your dad and, and the recording studio that you now own that he started as a starting point? Yeah. Yeah, man. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm in the lounge right now. And, um, my father passed away. It'll be four years this December. And so um, he had a lot of friends. It, it, uh, he had a music store in the 70s also. And his 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 hubs, whether it was the studio or the music store, were always a place where people would hang out. And especially back in the day, people would stop by just to see what you were doing. You know, now you text or or or, or whatever or call somebody. But he had a lot of friends. And so when he passed away, there's been a lot of different things that people have just made for me and, I, and i'm trying to use some of the stuff in the lounge so my dad always had a handlebar mustache so you can see what a, a friend of his made uh, chris moore made that and then uh, my buddy brian collins made that that's a classic picture of him in the original studio he's got you can't tell he's got a razor blade in his hand and he's trying to figure out where to cut the tape uh and that looks like that was probably the mastering machine so he's probably mastering a, a record or an album for somebody that was some precarious yeah. stuff right there, man, with the with the razor blade. Like, that could go horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not on top of a tape machine. <laughs> just cut just a little too much, and you're like, oh, and then it's on the floor, and you're looking for it. Um, but, yeah, that's interesting. You know, it's so uh, funny, uh, and I hope I don't get a little too emotional. So I, I my dad's been gone for 22 years, and I was looking through – I have all of his albums, and I'm looking through all of his 45s, and I pull out there – and he, I had no idea. And it was in one of the Harry James, he, Harry James was his dude. Like he was a huge, because he's played trumpet. And I opened it up and 
there is a 78 of my dad playing when he's 17 years old uh and it's just like i had never heard it i didn't know i didn't know it existed and i put it on and i i mean i started crying you know all those years later i had no idea it was there and you just can't that's cool yeah you can't put people used to actually record master something on tape and they would make every now and then they would make just 100 copies of a of a piece of vinyl you know right uh and so, so there's stuff like that out there that's really cool you found that yeah i just think it's such a great you know my kid he's saying i have two sons i think you have three boys right um yeah. it's so neat to see my kid now he sings in the university choirs in college and just that love of music that it's such a great connection to have as family yeah it's, it, is. it is well i know we're here to talk about collective soul and and stuff so how was your summer i know you guys this came out this summer and you toured and how how did it go for you this summer we did we uh you know we we got out there and we were pretty aggressive last year as far as being on the tail end of covid and we got in about 50 shows last year uh, and this year we we did about 80 shows it was um the the bulk of that tour was us and switchfoot which was uh, um something we had talked about and wanted to do for a long time so we got out there with them and we hit every market across the U.S. The, uh, the the grueling part of the tour from early July until the end of September was 52 shows in 72 days. Wow. <laughs> but yeah. that's how you do it. Yeah. That's when you figure out you're not 25 anymore, right? <laughs> I have to admit, yeah, I did kind of set that up talking about post-COVID. You know, we used to do 100 shows in a year all the time. That 52 and 72 days after getting two years older also, it was uh, it was really grueling. Let's just say that. It got to us. So do you, are you one of, so I had a guy on, uh, this jazz pianist, he's fabulous, uh, named Black Bach, who's toured with a bunch of people like Rihanna and a bunch of people. And I said, how's, you know, it must suck now with the bus. And he's like, oh, I can sleep great on the bus. Like, it doesn't bother me. I couldn't sleep on a bus. Well, I don't know. How's it for you on the road? Are you a road warrior? Is it one of those things like it doesn't bother you and you king or, or do you much wish you were back home in your own bed? Sleep? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd rather be on the bus than usually in the hotel room. Uh, I guess I've done it for so long. It's kind of like the, the bunks, my little happy spot. I feel that's, good in there. That's good. Cause if you didn't like it, it would really suck. <laughs> I'd have to pay more to go do all the planes and uh, hotels. And yeah, by the time I jump in planes and go to a hotel, and I'd rather just be in my bunk. So you've been in this band now for almost 30 years. Does it seem that long? It doesn't. It seems like kind of different quadrants of, of another lifetime almost. Um, you know, and how long we've known each other. Um, you know, we all we all grew up in it. It's a, it's a small town story to say the least. Um, so I've known who Dean and Ed were my entire memory. Yeah, I've been in a band with them officially. You know, twenty eight years, but uh, I've not, I don't have a memory without them in my life. That's amazing. So you guys, I know you all grew up. What was the town? Stockbridge. What's the name of the town in Georgia? Yeah, not... Stockbridge, Georgia, and uh, their father when I was young, would have been the music minister at the church, which means he was kind of assistant pastor, took care of the music side of things. And he would have been one of my first choir teachers when I was young. Um, And I knew who his sons were, you know, Dean and Ed. Dean would have been about, 
or Ed would have been about seven years older than me, and Dean was a couple years younger than me, and he was also my younger brother's best friend. So it's a small, small orbit. Yeah, and then literally uh, half a mile down the road is, is what became the House of Music, and then the basement became Real to Real Studios, uh, and then another, you know, stone's throw um, at my house where I grew up, and the high school. Uh, Ross, our original guitarist, lived right behind the studio. I mean, if you saw an aerial view of the map, you you really would be like, whoa, that's that's it's not even a half mile radius where we all came from. That makes you always wonder, like, if you, your parents pick a different house two blocks over or, you know, just another school district over. Does it never happen? Are you in a different band right now, Will? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it ever happens. And uh, same thing about the, the studio, without the studio being there, you know. Ed being seven years older than us, I watched him at my dad's place. My dad gave him um, a green light to use any of the extra time at the studio. And so, so Ed would it would be there in the middle of the night without the studio. There's no hub for collective soul there, and there's no, there's no learning ground for it. Uh, that's where Ed sharpened his tools. That's great. So brothers have kind of a dubious history in rock and roll, whether it's Eddie Van Halen and Alex, whether it's the black crows, whether it's Oasis, uh, as an outsider, are, are these two guys to get along or are they the, are they the, uh, you know, not the rule there. Are they the exception or do they have their moments where you're like, oh my God, here go the brothers again? There's definitely moments, but in general, yeah, we enjoy each other's company and, and it's it's more of a, we get along. Uh, we're buds. We still, we still laugh about the same things. Um, and I have to admit, as you've gotten older, it's gotten better. You know, when you're younger, there's, seems like there's a little more sometimes. Yeah. So we're, we're through some of the more, uh, more aggressive moments, I guess you'd say, but. Yeah, life's short, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, same thing with Switchfoot. You know, it was it was the Foreman Brothers and the Roland Brothers. You know, both bands uh, formed around brothers. Uh, and with us and Switchfoot, the, the brothers get along, you know, so. That's great. I always think my favorite thing with Van Halen, apparently, if they were arguing, but then they switched into Dutch, that's like when you knew, like, oh, shit, it's really bad now. Like, get out of the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next thing, horse can do, can do, can do. I don't know. I've got bad Dutch, but so you've been here a million times in Kansas City. Do you have any good Kansas City memories of playing? I love, here? The, love the vibe there. Um, uh, I, I, we always look forward to it. Love the barbecue there. Uh, good crowd. Um, had my bike around there a lot. Um, hit all the trails and all the parks that are around downtown. I've been to the big museum there. Can't remember which museum that is right there near downtown. World War One museum. Uh, yeah, been to the World War One museum. I, I love hitting the museums, especially when they're substantial ones like that one. Um, yeah, that's it. And if anybody who's listening to this has not been to, Can if you're in Kansas City, it is well worth the time. It, it's an amazing museum, which mm -hmm. you would not picture in the middle of the country, but we've had it for over a hundred years. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, and and after tour for twenty eight years, you get to watch a little bit of the building and evolution and and uh, the development of these cities and. Uh, yeah, Kansas City's just gotten really cool over the years, man. I love it. That's great. Do you uh so you like to bicycle? Is this is this an outlet to stay in shape? Is it to get your mind like tell me about this? Yeah, both. I mean, that, it really became an outlet for me in the in the 90s. I got my first bike probably in 97 and kept it underneath the bus. So, yeah, man, I have logged in many a mile all across the country and it's been cool to cuz I like getting out and exploring. Um, one of my nicknames is the Scout. They call me the Scout. So, 
I have to get out and explore. I can't just stay at the venue and, and stay at the hotel and stuff. I have to go out and see what's around. So yeah, for the, over the last 20 years, it's been a, a calming factor. It's been, and it's been good for the exercise. Um, and, and like I said, I actually have this desire to go see things as well. Um, my time in Washington, DC, all the days off in DC. I mean, I could, I could, I could literally be a tour guide after 25 years of touring with my bike. I could show you some stuff, man. Well, DC, you could spend months there and still see new things. It's such a great, and it's nice and flat. Yeah. So for a bicyclist, it's probably oh, the nice. trails are everywhere in DC. They they did a really good job. That's cool. You know, I think you know, I know that's what Neil Peart. That's how it started for him, right? He was first on the bicycle, and then he Definitely, went, yeah went to the motorcycle. And and I was always amazed that he would, you know, even though it was a motorcycle and it's obviously self-propelled, but you know, you're holding the handlebars and stuff that he could do that for hours. And then go yeah. drum like he did for hours. No, that's still a physical thing when you're motorcycling for hours. Yeah, and according to the the R40 documentary, you know his younger techs that would ride motorcycle with him could hardly keep up. You know, he he was he had a high a high motor. Yeah, you'd have to. I get exhausted. I was exhausted just watching him drum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, next time you're here, I got you want. I'll give you a couple tips for what to go see if you haven't seen it go to the steamboat arabia museum yeah i haven't been there yeah. you're gonna love this so it sank in like the 1850s steamboat coming up the missouri from st louis to kansas city never made it sank they found it in a farmer's field in like the 80s and it's this amazing time capsule of oh, you know, cool. antebellum america very cool so check that out so I see you've got some shows. You're doing some stuff. And was it Vegas? What's your next show with Collective Soul? It won't be until next year. Uh, we've got uh, some casino stuff, uh, Palm Springs. There's a show in Vegas. Good good things for the winter. You know, nice indoor shows people can travel to and uh, and, and go off campus, so to speak. Uh, uh, we've got a big um, festival with Hootie and the Blowfish. Thing. It's called Hootie Fest. In April, it'll be uh, on the beach in Mexico. Us and some some of our contemporaries that we've known now again for uh, going on 25, 30 years. Uh, the Goo Goo Dolls, our buddy in the Gin Blossoms, um, Hootie, Hootie, of course. I mean, you know, that's another cool thing about what we've been able to do. We were all in Atlantic Records in 1994. You know, <laughs> we were all kids out of the South. And, and here we are putting on festivals and on the beach in Mexico uh, 30 years later. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. The nineties was such a great decade for music too. I think just because it was so eclectic. I mean, people talk about grunge and grunge is great. And I'm fine with it, but there was a lot of, there was great power pop bands. They were great. Yeah. You know, I had uh, Ty Tabor here cause Ty lives here in Kansas city and you know, Kings X, they, I think they were on Atlantic at the begin with. They were on Atlantic and, and I was, I was literally like, that was probably, my favorite band that was alive and still recording King's X would have been my favorite band and they know it, believe me, uh, because the moment I had the chance at 23 years old, I, I just kind of just puppy dogged them. I just wouldn't leave them. Uh, I just wouldn't leave their side because we had the same Atlantic rep. And so we were kind of hanging in the same circles. So I would just keep standing right next to them. <laughs> I don't know why. Cause I just, I really loved their music. I loved all of their records and I just wanted to hear and talk to them and, and later on, Doug Pennick became a little bit of a friend. I texted him probably nine months ago. We were texting back and forth, and, and he's been to, you know, hang out with us and be, been to some shows and stuff. So that's, you know, that's, again, that's one of the coolest things about what I've been able to do is meet people like that and become friends with some of those people.
Yeah, the connections, I think, are the, the best part of music. Doug's like 70 now, and he looks like he's 50. I don't know what Doug's doing, <laughs> but he, he's living right. Yeah, he's doing something right. Have you heard their new album? You know, I haven't checked out the new album. I should check it out because I saw all the, uh, I follow them, and I saw all of the uh, marketing, and it looked like they're real proud of it. I sh- I'll, I'll listen to it after this podcast. I'll listen yeah. to it the rest of the day. It, it's great. It's very King's X. I mean, I, I always love that. Cool. It's that half drop D sound right. And then the, the three part harmonies, which are always spot on. It's such a King's X thing. Yeah. The three part harmony, you know, it was like a, it was, it was a little bit of metal. It was a little bit of Beatles. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a really cool, interesting, interesting uh, group. So uh, for I'm you, what do you listen to, Will, that you love that's not like super famous, but you just like, give me some bands that I should be listening to that you dig? Yeah, how about we just talk about the bands on my production company? I've been producing a lot here in the studio. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, a band called the Corduroy Blue. Speaking of the Beatles, uh, these guys, uh, brothers as well, that started the band um, out of Woodstock, Georgia. But the record just came out last week. It's called uh, the Corduroy Blue is the name of the band. Check it out. Uh, It sounds like really strong Beatles queen, maybe a little jellyfish, which is also Beatles queen uh, 20 years later. But yeah, check out the corduroy blue that just came out last week. Um, A vocalist, a female vocalist, Mary Martin, uh, her single came out about six weeks ago. Uh, I worked on that with my buddy, Brian Collins. Uh, It's a really cool single. She's a really cool talent. Uh, And a band came out. Uh, earlier this year, uh, I produced the whole record. It's a band called Hey Dreamer, uh, H-E-Y Dreamer. Uh, check all those out. Those are really good bands. And, and um, kind of following suit with Collective Soul, you know, we're kind of an eclectic band. We have a lot of different sounds. Yeah. Uh, my production company is going to be the same way. <clears throat> so do you like being behind the glass, Will? Is that fun for you in a total different way? Or is it something as you get older yeah. you enjoy more? Tell me about what you love about producing. I mean, I've always produced. Uh, here and there, uh, but I, you know, I was raising kids and raising a family also, and I was super busy with Collective Soul. My kids are older now, and I took over ownership of my father's studio, so I'm ready to produce full time and produce as much as I can. So, um, yeah, I enjoy the creation process. I mean, there's a quote. I got quotes on these walls, but there's a quote right over there. It's, it's Paul McCartney's quote. It's um, nothing pleases me more than walking into a room with a group of people and coming out with a song. So that's still still my main driving force in life. And, and, and I do love helping people who have the talent, who haven't gone through the recording process yet. I love that part of it too. Yeah. Well, you, you piqued my interest with Jellyfish because I'm kind of, I was obsessed with Jellyfish. I dare you. I dare you to listen to them because it's, it's hard. It's, it's easy to say those bands' names, but it's really hard to sound like they do. And it sounds really good. You, you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I've had everybody on Jellyfish on except for Andy, which, of course, I'm never getting on because he doesn't talk to anybody. Yeah, and that would have been another band in my era, late 80s, early 90s, that would have been one of our favorite bands of that time. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, they're so, And then all their iterations, whether it's Imperial Drag, whether it's, you know, Faulkner solo stuff, whether it's TVIs, there's a lot of cool stuff they've done since then, too. We saw Imperial Drag live. We, went, we weren't going to miss that when we were young. Absolutely. Will, for people, you also had a solo album out in 2018. Let's talk a little bit about that before we go, because I think it's always interesting. 
the creative process. So when you write, I know you play piano, obviously you play bass, drums, right? Talk about your, when you're writing music, what's your first instrument you pick up to write a tune? Uh, it's mainly piano, but it's acoustic guitar a lot also. Um, so yeah, a lot of those songs on, on Serengeti Drivers, that would have been, uh, you know, a lot of that stuff I start on piano. I like the Whirly. I like the Wurlitzer Road sounds. I start a lot of songs on that as well. But honestly, when when I when I know a song, the inspiration is right, and, and when it, I feel like it's going to be good, it's not really an instrument. It kind of just pops in my head. <laughs> so it starts there, and then I can pick up whatever instrument I feel is is, is the main part of the song, whether it's piano or, or more guitar based. So yeah. I think the piano is just nice because with the two hands, you can kind of do the, you know, the, obviously the bass part in the left hand and then all the melody up, right? You get a, an all how many octaves a piano is too, yeah. where, I mean, I'm, guitar is my main instrument. I play a little piano, but it's, it probably just gives you a lot more where you can hear the colors a little better. Yeah, I can definitely, like sometimes on piano, I can imagine what maybe, uh, you know, where some of the movement's going to be as far as the low end versus versus some of the arrangement and harmonies and and stuff that'll be in the right hand yeah absolutely so my question i'm asking everybody in 2022 which is hard to believe it's almost over this year kind of flew by um is what i'm a big vinyl nerd i never got rid of my vinyl i have all my dad's verb jazz out and like 300 of his albums so like one of my favorite things at the end of the day is to go down into the man cave and, and get a good scotch and put an album on so my question is what's a great vinyl album that you love that I should have in my record collection that I probably don't have in my record collection. What would you suggest I get? You know, everybody's releasing new stuff now too. So uh, like even, even Paul McCartney's releasing stuff with like, he did Paul McCartney three where he had other artists uh, join in on every one of those songs and, and sing. Uh, he was always a good collaborator and I think it's out only on vinyl. So that that I'll, I'll, I'll say that that's a cool thing to check out. Yeah, which was his latest record. But each song he had a guest vocalist sing on it and collaborate with him. Yeah, he's he's a force of nature, Will. <laughs> you think? <laughs> well, I just I I'm just so impressed by uh. So I my older son that we talked about earlier, he's a huge Beatles fan, like just you know enormous. And we I surprised him when he graduated from high school in 2019, and I took him to see Paul McCartney live. And I had never seen Paul McCartney. I just had never. I was either out of town or I didn't have the money, you know, there's a million reasons. So we go down to Dallas and it's July or June in Dallas. It's hot. And he's on for three hours and he, you can't take a song off if you're Paul McCartney. I mean, you're the focal point. The whole, and he was awesome. I mean, I, it's, it, it's life goals. It's somebody who's, you know, 54 years old to see that and be like, man, you can do this forever. He's, he's so prolific and he's my favorite of all time for sure. I mean, I love everything about his career. Um, every solo record, every Wings record, I love them all. Can we talk the, real quick uh, about his bass parts? How yeah. underrated his bass parts are? I, I highly encourage people that even if you're not a bassist, go and listen to the isolated tracks. Um, something, the George Harrison tune, that bass part on that tune is just phenomenal. Like there's so many great things that he added just with the bass part. Yeah, and he would, you know, he played, he always played for the song. So I think that's, for me, you know, he's not underrated in my mind, but didn't stick out his bass parts. I mean, he would literally, you know, on the, um, on the, um, 
on the one that Rick Rubin did, uh, all these documentaries are coming out. Yeah, now, yeah. The one on him, Hulu. You heard him yeah. explain like, oh, I was trying to be a tuba here. Oh, I was trying to be like a, a, a stand-up bass here. And he really plays it like he's trying to be uh, part of the song more than just trying to come up with the 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 proper rhythm and harmony for a bass part. It's more, it really more like a, all of his stuff can drive a song, but you don't even really notice it sticking out, which which is actually harder than people realize to make it feel like it's so natural that it, they don't even really realize how good he is as a bass player, you know? Yeah. So is that your approach? You got the, like this new Collective Soul album that they start, you start talking about songs and stuff. Like what's your approach as a bassist when Ed or somebody brings a song idea to you to start? I mean, it's, it's definitely always part of, serve the song first and find out, you know, I tell people that if you open your ears a lot and take more in than you put out, then eventually the answers will come to you as opposed to just trying to create it, and throw it out there. Uh, so I try to open my ears and then when I stumble across it and it feels right, then I, then I kind of hope if I, I'm, that's what I've been going by every now and then is uh, for the last 28 years, if it feels right, I do it. So, I try to, like I said, I try to take more in when I'm first coming up with a song. I try to take more in from the other musicians and from just the general vibe of the song that I'm that I'm putting out. I'm not trying to create. I'm trying to just take it in, and then it, it should come to me naturally. Well, I, I really appreciate the time. Uh, as a fellow Gen Xer who, you know, had your first album on CD way back in the 90s, it's a total treat to get to talk to you. Um, yeah cheers man thank you i'm so glad that you're still out there doing it i hope you have a very great and safe holiday season for you and your family yeah thanks man i appreciate you having me on the show and uh good luck and enjoy your holiday season as well Will Turpin, everybody. Thanks so much for the time, Will. And you know what? I've been listening to the Corduroy Blue that he he recommended. I really enjoyed it. If you if you want to listen to some new music, just have some Beatles. Just have some Jellyfish. You'll, you'll dig it if you like those bands. So thanks for that alone, Will. Uh, down in the show links, all the information on Collective Soul and Will's studio. You can find all that down there. And I'm happy to report I actually have Paul McCartney's 3 on vinyl. It's the first time this year that somebody has recommended an exact album that I already owned. So that's that was nice, but I, I, I feel validated. I feel I made a good choice there. So that's going to do it. Hey, uh, we are past Thanksgiving, so that means it's Christmas season. And next week's episode is a, a double header, as I have two former guests, Kelly Hunt and Cassie Joy. They both have new releases for Christmas. Kelly Hunt has a brand new entire album. The Winter Solstice, Solstice spelled S-O-U-L. And uh, Cassie Joy has a brand new holiday single. They both zoomed in and we talked, so you got a two-for-one. So I'm going to get you in the holiday mood. You get to hear some new Christmas tunes and get ready season. That is one week from today. Until then, go out, support live music, and we'll talk real soon. Bye-bye.
But if I have to walk, I'm on. 